And good morning to everyone in Southeast Louisiana. It is play-by-play coming to you live here on this, I don't know what day of the week it is, Wednesday. Um, Casey Gisclair here. Coach Brian Colley's final day on vacation. Should have him back tomorrow. Look forward to having a fun show today. Um, The reason why I know it's Wednesday is because we've got BJ Young lined up. He will be joining us at noon, putting a bow on the Tarpon uh, football season giving us a rundown of the Tarpon postseason plans and, you know, off-season plans and some of the things you're looking to do to try to get better and try to build off of a 5-5 five and five season, try to get bigger, faster, stronger, who are some kids that need to have a big off-season, all that good stuff. We'll talk with him about all that in the next, well, not in the next segment, but at the 12 o'clock segment of the show. Then at 12.15, we've got our guy, the Turtle. Taylor Griffin will be joining us to talk with us about who, um, Saints, LSU, Jaden Daniels, Heisman candidacy, Zion Williamson, oh, bro, I'm not all the way bought in, boo-hoo. Um, all that fun stuff we've got. We'll chat and bounce all that off of Turtle in the 12-15 segment of the show. Taylor and I tend to run long, so we will talk with him until about, oh, 12.45 or so, and then I'll bring you home. Um, the opening segment of the show will be spent talking about some high school basketball and then also some high school football as we're roaring into high gear of the high school football playoffs, but we've also got high school basketball. And I start off today with what was the most immediate um, thing that was happening yesterday, which is that we had a bunch of high school basketball games locally on the boys basketball scoreboard yesterday. We want to congratulate Hanville High School for getting their first win of the season. Uh, 64 to 62, a win over Rumble. So two teams that are expected to both be pretty good. Uh, Hanville gets a victory there, 62 to 60, oh, 64 to 62 over Rummel. And it was a historic victory for Hanville High School because, let's see if I could shout this out properly. I want to make sure I say the name right. Um, Coach Randolph, Coach Erica Randolph, the boys basketball coach at Hanville, um, female. Woman coach, uh, coaching the boys, gets her first career win. We we congratulate her so much. That was historic. I can't think of anyone in the Bayou region who's ever had a boys basketball varsity team coached by a woman. That might be a first. Um, so congratulations to Coach Randolph getting a two-point victory over Rumble and getting an early season uh, heads up. Santa Mont defeats Chalmette 72-60. That's two good teams, but... Again, you know, these early season games, like what what really is and what isn't is hard to be defined because Santa Monica and Chalmette are both in the football playoffs, right? So it, it's awfully hard to see who's who and what's what. Terrebonne gets a decisive 65-22 to win over South Terrebonne. Remember, we had Brandon Brown on and he told us, he said, look, I like my squad. Uh, I really like my squad. I think we've got a team full of guys who could really play. Um and they they open up their season with a forty plus point win against South Terrebonne, who is um, you know probably still rebuilding a little bit with a first year coach. In four A, uh, Vanderbilt Catholic gets a seventy three to twenty six win over Berwick. That's without Vanderbilt's football guys. Look, I'm telling you right now, if you're listening in the area, um, whether they got their football guys or not, Vanderbilt Catholic is ridiculous. Um, and it's going to be even more profound whenever they have their football guys and whenever they add 
you know, Jahari Coleman and Jalen Coleman and, 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 you know, all the other football pieces to that already loaded roster. Remember a name that I'm going to tell you right now. I saw him in the Terrebonne Parish Boys Basketball Jamboree. And it's a young man who's near to me because I've been knowing him since he's literally a baby in diapers. Jaden Coleman of Vanderbilt Catholic, I believe he's a 10th grader this season, is a special, special basketball player. He had a wonderful ninth grade season this past season, you know, did the the all district and all that stuff. He's ready to make a big leap. This is a kid who is going to get Division One college scholarship offers. It's in his blood. His aunt, Summer Leslie, played professional basketball. His uncle, Lionheart Leslie, played Division One college basketball. Um, it's in the blood. He's got that instinct and that knack for how to play. Um, he gets where he wants to get on the court. That was the thing that stood out the most to me in the Jamboree. Is like, hey, if he wants to get into the lane, he's he's getting into the lane. If he wants to get a mid-range shot, he's getting a mid-range shot. He gets the stuff on the court that he wants to get when he wants to get it. And I actually think in some respects he should probably be a little bit more assertive though he still kind of defers a little bit because he still is just a 10th grader. But Vanderbilt has an amazing team, athletes all over. They are far and away, in my opinion, the favorite and the front runner amongst our local teams with probably HL Bourgeois chasing them. The Terriers got a 73-26 to win over Berwick. Let's see what else we had last night on the boys' basketball side of things. Looking down the list of scores. Newman gets a 69-49 to win over Warren. Easton, another one yet. Just can't read a whole lot into that because the teams are very much so still in football. And we go to single A as my iPad locks up, as it tends to do whenever I need it. Um, let me see. Single A boys basketball. Well, my laptop's not cooperating. So I'll get you a single A in just a second. But if we go to the girls basketball scoreboard, I do have those scores loaded up for you. Destrahan gets a 67-24 to win over Bonneville. So a good win for Destrehan to start the year. East St. John gets a 67-10 to win over Lord Beaconsfield Landry. That's an early sign, right, that the two river schools in our local 5A district are probably both pretty good. They get decisive victories to start their seasons. In the game that I was at last night, I had the opportunity to watch in person H.L. Bourgeois against Ellender. H.L. Bourgeois gets a 54-23 to win. Um, <clears throat> I think this is a situation where uh, more than one thing could be true, right? Um, people have been saying throughout the entire offseason, hey, look out for HL Bourgeois. They're ready to make a run. They're ready to, you know, be improved. And on the other side, people were saying, well, man, you know, Ellen is probably down a little bit, right? It's a situation where I think more than one thing could be true. I think Bourgeois is better. And I do think that Ellender also is a little bit down. But I'll say this. Um, <clears throat> I think the Ellender team is is talented. I think they played hard. If they could find some offense, man, they got to find some scoring and, and find a little bit more explosiveness. If they could do that, they've got a chance to maybe have some success this season because the kids compete. The kids play hard. Just was having a hard time putting it in the basket yesterday and handling that bourgeois pressure. For bourgeois, I'm going to say the same thing for the girls that I said for the boys. Yesterday's show, I said, hey, I think HL bourgeois boys are going to be very, very good. But can they win a game when someone else is making them play their style? I don't know. 
remains to be seen. Um, but for Bourgeois, the girls, is going to be the same thing. If someone can handle their pressure and make them play half court, can they play defense long enough without fouling to not give up a bunch of free throws? Because they gave up a bunch of free throws yesterday anyway, playing their style. If they have to guard and if they have to stay on defense for an extended period, can they play defense without fouling? Can they stay disciplined enough? And can they run efficient half-court offense enough to win those types of games? They were able to turn over Ellen there and do whatever they wanted, but that's not going to be the case in the local 5A district, and that's the big question that Bourgeois still got to answer. Santa Monica got a 58-50 to win over Hanville last night. Good win for Santa Monica, and a, not a terrible result for Hanville, to be honest with you. Um, let's see. In 4A, we had... Let's see. Lafayette Christian gets a 62 to 49 win over Midland. Good win for Lafayette Christian. Brobridge defeats Letcher 48 to 41. Letcher's a local district team. Westgate defeats Morgan City 46 to 26. Morgan City's a local district team. We had West St. Mary get a 58 to 41 win over South Terrebonne. So South Terrebonne starts the season off with a loss. Um in 3A, Berwick opens up the year with a win. They actually beat a 4A school. Berwick defeats the Willow School 42 to 35. That's a good win for Berwick, man. I saw Berwick in the Jamboree. I'll be honest. I didn't think that they were all that strong, but to open up your season getting a win over the Willow School on the road is a very good result for that team. E.D. White rolls past Franklin 56 to 24 on the road. A good opening season victory for Coach Nick Sinek and his team. Carolina Adams did some great things. Carolina Adams is amazing, man. Nichols State University, Justin Payne, they're getting a great player. Um, she had a big night. A couple of other girls had big nights. E.D. White get gets a 56-24 win, so kudos to Coach Sinak and his crew. Patterson falls to Kaplan 54-17. St. James played Booker T. Washington, we think. There's no score that was reported there in that one, though. Uh, we go to 2A, nothing of note. Uh, we go to single A, and we could tell you that Jenneret fell to St. Martinville 55-20, and Hanson Memorial got a 34-25 win over Lauraville. So, Congratulations to all the teams in the area that got some wins and that played and started their seasons. And we look forward to following it all in the coming days and weeks. Tonight's kind of a light night. Um, there's only one game that I could see on the schedule that will be played locally is the Terrebonne girls. Coach Cassidy Barrios and her team will be taking the floor and they'll be trying to get their first win of the season after losing on opening night. Let me tell you the opponent. Terrebonne is hosting tonight. Um, Bonneville. Nope, that's not it. That's the boys' schedule. I don't know what's going on with my LHSA app. But at Terrebonne Girls play home tonight at 6 o'clock. And um, I'll get you in the next segment the 1A boys' scores from yesterday and Terrebonne's opponent because my LHSA app is not cooperating. I ain't got time to deal with it right now. But I am going to have time to deal with it in just a second because we're taking a commercial break. When we get back, I'll get you those things. And then we'll talk some high school football. We got the playoffs, round two starting on Friday. All sorts of action around the state. It's play-by-play. Play. We'll be right back after this quick timeout. Energize your business with Bayou Black Electric Supply in Homa. When you're elbow deep in a job, the last thing you need is to lose time and money fetching electrical supplies. Bayou Black Electric will deliver your items to the job site. There's daily scheduled service throughout South Louisiana, Lafouche, Terrebonne, Morgan City, New Iberia, and Lafayette. Plus, the River Parishes, too. If you need parts, call Bayou Black Electric Supply. 985-223-8807. Highway 311 in Homa. Thanksgiving just got even better at Rouse's Markets. Now through Thanksgiving, get a free Butterball Grade A frozen turkey at Rouse's Markets. 
when you buy a Hormel Cure 81 Spiral Ham. That's right. Get up to 16 pounds free on a Butterball Grade A frozen turkey with the purchase of a Hormel Cure 81 Spiral Ham at Rouse's Market. Now through November 24th. See stores for details and more great Thanksgiving deals at Rouse's Markets, official supermarket of the New Orleans Saints. As a leader in the oil and gas industry, Joe's Septic Contractors caters to oil field clients offering vacuum truck service for offshore tanks, vessels, or treatment plants containing sewage or gray water. Their rental department offers state-of-the-art offshore portable toilets with cages and certified safety slings for easy maneuvering. Also holding tank rentals and portable hand-washing stations. Call Joe's Septic Contractors 24-7 in Cutoff, Thibodeau, Fushaw, Abbeville, Reserve, Odessa, Texas, and Pascagoula, Mississippi. Visit joeseptic at viscom.net. You all know Powerball. You know him, you love him. Now, there's a new way to play. Introducing Powerball the Scratch-Off from the lottery. Win up to $15,000. Can you feel it? But wait, there's more. Enter the second chance drawing for cool prizes like... The Powerball Cash Promotion. This is your final chance to win exciting second chance cash prizes from the Powerball Scratch-Off. Five lucky winners will be drawn for a share of $17,000. Visit LouisianaLottery.com for more details. Play Powerball the Scratch-Off today for your chance to win. Must be at least 21 to purchase. This is State Representative Joseph Orgeron. During this holiday season, I'd like to give thanks for my family, friends, and also the patience and support of my constituents. I truly hope you have a wonderful holiday season and a healthy and prosperous new year from my family to yours. Lady of the Sea Community Pharmacy staff are trained in finding the lowest cost available on your medication. Stop by with your prescriptions or medicine bottles and let one of us review your options with you. With two convenient locations to serve you, we're located in Rouse's Supermarket, Highway 3235 in La Rose, or at Lady of the Sea Medical Clinic in Cutoff. Our staff available Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Saturdays 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. We treat you like family at Lady of the Sea. All right, we got some housekeeping from the first segment. In the 1A boys basketball schedule last night, it was really much to do about nothing. We didn't have a whole lot of local action or even anything that would be of interest to anybody locally. I guess Ascension Christian falling to Dunham 62-25 to is noteworthy, but it seems like uh, the good Lord was making the iPad not work to, as a means of letting me know, hey, bro, you don't have to talk about anything there because there was nothing that was even remotely local. Um, but Terrebonne, I do have the answer. Terrebonne does host Lutcher tonight in girls basketball action, six o'clock. So Terrebonne will be at home taking on Lutcher there at six o'clock. Um, high school football playoffs on Friday, division one, non-select, um, the most, uh, semi-local quasi-local team is Destrahan. They had an opening round by they'll take on bell chase. I don't expect any problems there. Um, Likewise, I don't expect any problems with Zachary against Salmon. 
which means that we could potentially in the third round, how about this, Thanksgiving week, quarterfinal, LHSA playoff football, we could potentially get Destrehan and Zachary. Is that a heavyweight matchup or is that a heavyweight matchup? That could be um, perhaps a, a state championship caliber game in the quarterfinals. The rest of that bracket, I, look, I'll be honest with you. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to win decisively. I, I like Rustin a lot over Westgate. Um, Santa Mont and Mandeville should be pretty good. Airline and Southside should be pretty good. But I think some of the big dogs, like I think Dutchtown's going to beat Chalmette pretty good. I think Neville's going to beat Central Baton Rouge pretty good. In Division One non-select, I think there's going to be um, a clear separation between the haves and the have-nots. Division Two non-select, Lutcher's taking on Abbeville. Abbeville's the 13 seed. They played St. Charles Catholic and lost 51 to nothing. Um, they played Central Catholic of Morgan City in 120 to seven. Played North Vermilion 122 to 18. Um, no disrespect to Abbeville. Congratulations to them for making it in, hosting a game, winning the first round game. I don't see them staying with Lutcher on Friday. Um, I saw Lutcher. I saw Central Catholic of Morgan City. Lutcher would beat Central Catholic of Morgan City more than 20 to seven. And I mean that with no disrespect, by the way. I think that Central Catholic is a really good team, but facts are facts. A 4A power school should beat a 1A power school decisively. Abbeville couldn't separate from Central Catholic. They're not going to have any success against Lutcher. I think Lutcher has a pretty comfortable ride there. The one that is interesting to me in terms of local um, <clears throat> implications, Assumption and Brobridge. Assumption's got the opening round by. And they come into the playoffs red hot. I mean, they've won six games in a row in that stretch. They beat South Lafouche, who was a playoff team. They beat Lutcher, who was a playoff team. They beat Vanderbilt, who was a playoff team. Um, Assumption's battle-tested. They've also played St. James and E.D. White. So, like, they're really battle-tested. But when you're the three seed and you, you, you're coming off of a bye, and now you got to go and play a Brobridge team, who's the number 19 seed. But Brobridge has faced some very stiff opposition this season they have played Tioga and St. Martinville and Cecilia and you know Opelousas and and while they didn't necessarily have great results against most of those teams they're going to know what it's like to line up with elite athletes on the other side of the field and with assumption it's really simple right is, is if you and and I say really simple and, and I, I don't want this to be confused with really easy right you could do something simple, but it still could be difficult for the other team to stop it. Assumption's going to show up. They're going to run the hell out of the football with Jacobs and Turner, and it's up to you to stop it. And whichever team in the bracket is best equipped to stop it is potentially the team that could get a big leg up on them. But the problem is no one in our district slowed it down, and you know, they played some powerful teams outside of the district who had a hard time slowing it down. But Brobridge is just, I don't, I don't know, man. I just get the feeling this one's going to be a little closer than what people maybe expect. Brobridge is a team that historically makes playoff runs, historically goes on a little push, and they've been deep in the tournament before, as evident by them winning their opening round game on the road against Eunice, 35-19. to So I would, I, I would favor Lutcher heavily over Abbeville. I think Lutcher's going to beat Abbeville decisively. I would favor Assumption over Brobridge, but I don't think that one's going to be one that we're going to look down and see a 45 to 6, right? I think that Brobridge is going to play with them and make Assumption earn it. Um, my guy Dennis, uh, Cecilia taking on Iota in a 2 versus 15. 
Iota's pretty good. I don't think they're Cecilia good. I don't think they'll be able to score enough to stay with Cecilia. I think that um, I would favor Cecilia in that matchup. Division three non-select. Combing the bracket a little bit. You got St. James, a local team that is going to be taking on North Webster. North Webster, you pull up the schedule and you see old North Louisiana team. Got some good results. Um, they beat some quality competition. They've lost to some quality competition. In the opening round, they beat Patterson 42 to nothing. Well, Patterson and St. James played, and the score is 48 to nothing. Now, you can never read too, too much into that type of crap because, you know, we get into running time and teams take out their starters. And, you know, I, I wasn't at either game. I don't, you know, with St. James winning 42 to nothing at the half and then coasted the second half. Was North Webster winning 21 nothing in the fourth quarter and then coasted to 42? Like, I don't know what the situation was, but I know this, playing on the road at St. James in a playoff game, North Webster better be ready for a very rowdy, very raucous environment, and I would favor St. James to potentially move through. If they succeed, they would take on the winner between Manet and South Plaquemines. How about the season that South Plaquemines has had? They're number 11 seed in the bracket. They get an opening round win. Um... Hell, they're 8-2. and two. They're playing at a really, really high level, and they've had a wonderful season. We go to Division 2. Well, you know what? I'll go to Division 1 select. Uh, there's nothing local here, but there's just some really good matchups. I mean, Holy Cross and Jesuit, hard to beat a team twice. Holy Cross beat Jesuit er easily earlier in the season. Got a feeling that one's going to be a little tighter. Karen Crow and Acadiana played a couple weeks ago. Acadiana beat them by one. And that result is the reason why Acadiana is at home in this game against Karen Crow as opposed to going on the road. If that result would have been flipped, it would be Karen Crow hosting Acadiana. So that home field advantage was earned during the season. Can you beat them twice will be the next thing. I think Carr's going to have an easy time with Woodlawn at Baton Rouge. Um, Alexandria and Brother Martin could be a good one. Alexandria's kind of a sleeper team. They're the 13th seed. they got a big old powerful explosive offense. They have played a brutally tough schedule. They've got some good wins. They played close against West Monroe a couple weeks ago. Played close against Rustin, who's the number one seed in Division One non-select. Don't be surprised if Alexandria gives Brother Martin all they could handle over at Yanny Stadium on Friday at 7 o'clock. Catholic of Baton Rouge and John Errett, you would favor Catholic there. Errett's got some athletes. I just don't know if they have enough. St. Paul's and Tioga should be pretty good. I'm, I'm picking Rummel, the 18th seed, to beat Captain Shreve, who's the number two seed. Um... Just not a big Captain Shreve guy. Looking at the record, you know they lost to Calvary Baptist sixty-one to twenty-seven. Calvary Baptist is a two-way school. They've got some wins, right? You know, obviously they wouldn't be where they are if they didn't. But Rummel has played in that Catholic league. They faced a who's who of everybody. They beat up on Northwood of Shreveport thirty-four to fourteen in the opening round. Don't be surprised if Rummel scores the upset there and beats Captain Shreve. And then I think a very interesting game on Friday is going to happen on the Shrine. Um, John Curtis. Lost a couple of regular season games. They did beat St. Augustine 36-26 to in the regular season. Um, but St. Aug made them work. And St. Aug is coming in hot. They beat McKinley 43-6 to in the opening round. Um, don't be shocked if, if St. Aug makes some adjustments and shores some things up. And they've got athletes all over the field. They were the 22 seed because they lost close to so many powerhouse teams in the Catholic League. That's going to be, a, I think, a very entertaining game on the Shrine. Now, locally, we're, of course, paying attention to Division II Select, where you got Vanderbilt traveling to take on John F. Kennedy. Um, John F. Kennedy is beat up on a lot of teams lately, but let's be honest, since week five when they played Live Oak, 
They really haven't played anybody. Sarah Reed, Livingston Collegiate, Haynes Academy, Patrick Taylor, Sciences and Technology, Sophie B. Wright. They haven't really played anybody. They haven't had a real competitive test for about a month and a half. Can they match early in the game the intensity of a Vanderbilt team who's going to come in very battle-tested lately, including an opening round game? Can they slow down Coleman in open space? And most importantly, can Vanderbilt block the Kennedy defense, which is very good? They're, they've got a very, very strong defense. Can Vanderbilt block them? Will be a big test. Then at the bottom of that bracket, Edie White and De La Salle. Um, De La Salle has some athletes now. They're, they've got a very prestigious program. They're always a playoff team for a reason because they got so many players that played such a high level. Hell, LSU faced a De La Salle running back on Saturday in Montreal Johnson, and there's dudes. Uh, Julian Gums, former Nichols running back, came from De La Salle. There's going to have some athletes there. Um, can you slow down that E.D. White option, though? No one this season has been able to do it. They're scoring 30, 40, 50 points every week. Can you slow down what used to be a ball control offense, but now is an explosive scoring offense? Can you slow them down will be the big question for the Cavaliers. And in Division Four select, We've got Covenant Christian that'll be traveling to take on St. Martin's Episcopal, who was the four seed. It's going to be an uphill task. St. Martin's Episcopal is really good. But don't be shocked if CCA goes out there and gives them hell, man. Because look, um, we know this. The Lions were the 20 seed because of some injuries. The Lions were the 20 seed because they lost a couple of games that maybe they should have held on to and won. And just some early season growing pains with a first-year coach. Coach Turner got those boys believing right now. And when you went on the road in the opening round 35-6 to six like they did, you start to, sort of start to, to feel it a little bit, right? Like, hey, man, maybe this is our time. Maybe this is our year. Wouldn't be surprised if they're able to go make a push out there. Central Catholic of Morgan City is going to be traveling to take on St. Fred's. Uh, let's see. St. Frederick on the season. They got some losses, Bubba. I mean, they've lost three times, and, and they've been blown out three times. So, again, that's another opportunity for Central Catholic of Morgan City to maybe go on the road and maybe get a big win and make some things happen. Let's catch a break. When we get back out of the break, we got B.J. Young. We're going to kind of wrap some things up football-wise with B.J. It's play-by-play, talking to the ball coach of Down the Bias, South Lafouche Tarpons, right here on Play-by-Play. While inventory is growing, prices are dropping at Golden Motors. Come to Golden Motors and check out the new 2023 Chevrolet Silverado with the all-new technology and improved great fuel economy. Whether you're looking to tow your boat or camper or if it's just you for your daily commute, the comfort and towing capability is there for you. Check out the new 2023 Chevrolet Silverado at Golden Motors, 15101 Highway 3235 and Cutoff, The Back Road, 325-1000. Chevy, find new roads. Price is priority. At Riley Johns Blue Boot Foundation, our mission is to help everyone be safer in and around water. Did you know drowning is the number one accidental cause of death in children under the age of four and the second leading cause of accidental death in children under the age of 14? Adolescents and adults are at greater risk of drowning in open water. Remember, drowning is preventable. Join Riley Johns Blue Boot Foundation. 
Absolute Fitness wants to welcome our community to come back and check us out. You'll discover an amazing environment and a friendly and welcoming staff at Absolute Fitness. We have a 12,000 square foot facility with all new top-of-the-line equipment, new saunas, an amazing smoothie bar, personal trainers, and much, much more. Absolute Fitness offers many types of very competitive memberships along with a dual membership with our proud partner, CrossFit Brackish. Absolute Fitness at 17092 West Main Street, Galliano. Home Health Services in South LaFouche are vital right now. Look no further than Lady of the Sea Home Health for the sick, the elderly, and the homebound. Our caring staff makes each day a little brighter, a little better. With quality health care and warm, genuine support, you and your loved ones are the most comfortable, content, and independent in your own home. Speak to your physician today about Home Health Services from Lady of the Sea. Call 985-632-6900 for more information. Quality health care locally for you. Condemn me. A man's measured by the way that he thinks. Not clothing lines, ice links, leather and minks. I spent 20 plus years seeking knowledge of self. So for now, Mark Freck is living life for wealth. Welcome back to Play by Play. Play by Play. We've been having some phone issues, but we got them sorted out. Thanks to Babud for the help. We go to the phone lines and we got BJ Young squared away. Coach, good morning, man. How we doing? Hey, BJ, do you hear us? All we hear is static. So we might not be able to get BJ Young today. I think we're having some phone problems. Uh, so. Well, that's a bummer. We'll uh, talk about some tarpon football some other time. Sending BJ a text, letting him know 
that we're not going to be able to have him on. All right. Um, so one of the things that we were going to talk with BJ about, and man, this puts our interview with Turtle in jeopardy as well. So hopefully we're able to get him in just a second. Um, but yeah, now I'm flustered. I had a 15 minute segment planned with a football coach that now is not going to happen. Uh, so I got to figure out how to fill that time. But one of the things I think BJ is going to be looking forward to in the off season is, um, look, man, we, we could complain, um, as much as we would like to complain about the whole division. One thing we could complain as much as we want to complain about the fact that in the opening round of the playoffs, South of Hoosh played a Dutchtown team that has two and a half times more students than they do. We could complain about the fact that you're in a 4A district that is feeding three different playoff brackets. You're feeding Division II non-select, you're feeding Division II select, and you're feeding Division I non-select. You could complain about all that stuff until the cows come home. But at the end of the day, if you're a head football coach in our area or in B.J. Young's shoes, the problem is that while it is unfair and while it is not something that's just and while it is, quite frankly, the most ridiculous thing that I have ever seen from an LHSA that is loaded full of ridiculous things that we've never seen before, while it's all of that, it's also what you're dealing with, right? So if I'm BJ right now, I'm saying, okay, privately, I'm telling my coaches, privately, we're going to yell, cuss, and scream about everything that's going on in Baton Rouge. But in terms of the kids, well, we, we got to insulate them from that. We've got to insulate them from all that drama and all that madness. Because at the end of the day, next year, it's probably going to be similar. And you're going to still be in that bracket with Dutchtown. You're going to still be in that bracket with Santa Mont. You're going to still be in that bracket with all these schools that are so much bigger than you enrollment-wise. So how do you overcome it? And I think you overcome it as best as you can two different ways. You've got to coach the hell out of the guys that you got. And you've got to be exceedingly good at a skill that is difficult for anybody to take away. And I think that the emphasis this offseason for the Tarpons should be on hitting the hell out of the weight room. Because a couple of things that I notice whenever I'm watching really, really good elite level high school football teams is this. And I say this all the time about E.D. White. If you put 30 high school students on a track outside of the football stadium and you told me that 10 of the 30 were E.D. White football players, I would probably, even if they were all wearing the same clothes, let's put them all in a white t-shirt, basketball pants, I would be able to, without even knowing point out the 10 E.D. White football players. How? Because the E.D. White football players are going to be put together better. They're going to have big, broad shoulders, big, strong chest, upper body strong, lower body strong, big thighs, big calves. And that sheer brute force is what has allowed E.D. White to have the success that they have had in recent years. We're a little bit behind right now in that particular area down the bite. It's not a blame to anybody, not trying to point fingers at anybody. 
there are a lot of reasons why we're a little bit behind. Had some seasons without a weight room and are doing some catching up. But I think this offseason is one where it's very big to catch up because that was the number one thing that I noticed. And I noticed this at 530 before the 7 o'clock game even started. The Dutchtown kids were noticeably bigger and better put together than the South Lafouche kids were. And if I'm BJ in the offseason, and I think he would reiterate this, if we were able to have him on, I think he would reiterate this. I think that the big thing for the Tarpons is you've got to hit the weight room hard. You've got to get bigger, faster, stronger. And you've got to be a team that is becomes so physical up front because you got a lot of your offensive line back. you got some key pieces on defense back. That is so physical up front that you literally just beat the hell out of teams every Friday whenever you face them. Physically beat the hell out of teams every Friday. That's the E.D. White way. And look, they deal with some strategic disadvantages too. They were a 3A school playing in a 4A playoff bracket. How have they been able to survive that? By lining up every Friday and just beating the hell out of you. So, yeah, you got a lot of guys that are back, right? Got to figure out the quarterback position. You got a stable of running backs that are coming back. You got some good receivers that are coming back. Got good offensive linemen coming back. You got to piece some things together on defense, but you got some guys in the secondary, you know, Tyrese Edwards and Dre Hughes, and you got Kay Nelson up front. Like, you got some guys that you could build around back there. Got a great core, but that core needs to continue to blossom, needs to continue to develop, needs to continue to play at a high level and get some things figured out. Um, if you want to make that leap. BJ said this on Saturday on the Sports Corner, and I think it's very profound. And I think it's very well said. And the fact that he observes and notices that this is an issue actually makes me feel really good because I think it's, it is the number one thing in this program right now that they need to be trying to figure out. Over the last 15, 20 years, South Lafouche has had some good football seasons, right? Have a rusty born year where you guys go to the second round of the playoffs have a you know skeins this first year you go undefeated um after the storm you host an open ground playoff game but it hasn't ever been sustained the year after that playoff run has always been a down year and bj said it on saturday morning is that hey we made the playoffs we won five games and that's really cool and that's something we're really excited about We went from two wins to five wins. We went from outside of the playoffs to inside of the playoffs. And as a five and five, that quite frankly could have been seven and three because I thought you gave away the Thibodeau game. I thought you gave away the Assumption game. So you still left a little bit of meat on the bone, but still finished five and five. And I think now the challenge for BJ and his staff is how do we, instead of making the playoffs and taking that step back, making the playoffs and taking that step back, how do you reverse that, make the playoffs, and then take that step forward? Because I think that's going to be one of the big keys for the Tarpons is now can they build on that five-win season and turn it into a six- or seven-win next season and then turn it into a seven- or eight-win season the year after that? Because that's how, in a Division I non-select bracket, you avoid some of the big power programs before. Now, look, if you make it deep, you're going to have to eventually play them, right? And that is a little bit of a bummer. But that's how you could get a more favorable matchup is by finishing the season stronger, becoming that six, seven, eight win team annually. That let's make the five and five year that this past year was, let's make that the bad year now, right? 
Let's make it a, a a tough year for the Tarpons whenever they're just five and five and or six and four and not eight and two. That's going to be the big challenge for BJ is can you sustain the success that you had? That's been a problem for a long time here. One good year, two bad. One good year, one bad. One good year, one bad. It's kind of alternating positive and negatives. Taking two steps forward, taking two steps back. Three steps forward, two and a half steps back. And you're really not making a whole lot of headway in terms of being an annual contender. I would like to see the Tarpons make that big leap and be a playoff team again next year. Start to build on it, man. Start to build on it. There, there's no reason to to be taking your foot off of the accelerator right now because you made the postseason. Now's the time to slam the accelerator against the floor of the car and let's go. Let's take off. Let's take off. Let's catch a break when we get back. I'm I'm gonna try to get Turtle on. I'm not all that optimistic. Uh, our phone lines are struggling here, but it's play by play. We'll be right back after this. This is Councilwoman Jessica Domang. I decided to run for office just four years ago because I knew we needed change. I was tired of these same old entrenched politicians not delivering results. My district of East Homa in downtown has been the neglected and forgotten part of town for years with crumbling infrastructure. I have worked hard to clean up my community, and we have delivered unprecedented investments into my district since taking office, including economic development initiatives, millions in road and culvert repairs, and multiple major drainage projects, both completed and in the engineering phase. As your next state representative, I will bring the same work ethic to all of District 53. We are all in this fight together as the underserved communities of our parish. We must all come together so that every resident can be proud to call Terrebonne Parish home. Early voting begins Friday, November 3rd and ends Saturday, November 11th. Please vote Jessica Domang, number 58. Paid for by the Jessica Domang Campaign Fund. We train young people to be journeyman electricians. IWTP has enhanced our program. They've made it better. From day one, when they walk through my door, they get paid every week and they make money from now until they retire. The on-the-job training combined with the classroom instruction, it's really unbeatable. And it has, it has really changed the entire dynamic of our program. For more information, go to LAWorks.net. Sponsored by the Louisiana Workforce Commission. Hello, friends and family. Taylor Griffin here, back again to talk about Dufresne Building Materials. Did you know that we have a new updated online order system called Dufresne Easy Buy? Come see us at DufresneLumber.com to check it out and get you started with a free quote. We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell Chase, Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the do-friend difference. Baby, you a song, you make me want to roll my windows down and cruise. All right, let's try a science experiment. Let's see if we could go to the phone lines. Let's see if they're back up and running. We were trying to get Taylor Griffin squared away. Turtle, what's up, man? Can you hear us? Nope, just static. So, yeah, we're going to have to put a plug in that. Uh, sorry about that, Turtle. We tried to have him on. Just phone lines are not cooperating today. Um, it's play-by-play -play here. We're going to try to get Turtle. A little later in the week, I'm actually shooting him a text right now, letting him know. All right, but anyway, we've got some things that we're going to talk about here uh, to fill the rest of the show. You guys are going to be hearing a whole lot from me the rest of the way, which uh, some might like, most probably won't. <laughs> but that's okay. 
Um, you look across ESPN.com right now, the New Orleans Pelicans got a win yesterday um, playing in the NBA's in-season tournament, and they got a 31-110 win over Dallas. Um, I have spoken a lot negatively about the Pelicans in recent days. Zion Williamson, oh, I'm not all the way bought in, and you know, sounding like a jackass in his his in his interview, he was out of breath, he, like just a complete mess. He was having a breakdown up there. Um, but there are some things that I want to shout out that are are promising with this team. Um, in the draft, you went and got a, a young man by the name of Jordan Hawkins from the University of Connecticut, who's who's really good. Um, he's averaging 13 points. He's giving you some shooting. He made five three-pointers last night in a 131-110 to 110 win over Dallas. So that is a bright spot. Another bright spot is I think Dyson Daniels is playing well. Um, you've picked up Matt Ryan before the season started um, from the Lakers. I think he's playing well. So if you could just get that little extra buy-in from Zion, maybe you could take things to a higher level. But the problem is that he was – Asked about his role again yesterday and again was very non-committal and was not willing to kind of say, hey, man, I'm all in. And, and, and it just becomes frustrating, right? Is that, and I said it during the offseason, man, you pushed all of your poker chips in with a hand that is like 7-4 in Texas Hold'em. You got the seven of diamonds and the four clubs and you pushed all in. Yeah, I mean, maybe you're going to catch a bunch of sevens and a bunch of fours on the draw and in the river and everything. And maybe you might win the hand, but statistically it was not a good idea to run this roster back. Everybody on this team is injury prone, fragile, made of glass. Just this season, we have seen Zion leave games, not the all personal reasons. Ingram has missed games. Herb Jones has missed games. You haven't even gotten anything from Alvarado and Trey Murphy yet. You're, you're 11 games into the season, and you've already had nothing but injury problems. Why would you assume that that would be any different, right? With a group and a roster and a core that has never not had injury problems, why would you assume that it would be any different? Um, so that that's a big cause for concern. Last night in the NBA, I'm about to get fired up. Um, the Minnesota Timberwolves defeated the Golden State Warriors 104-101. to Draymond Green did one of the, the the stupidest things that I've ever seen in a basketball game, and, and and it's it's surprising and it's stupid even for him, who I think is one of the biggest sleazebags in the sport. A guy who, for this act yesterday, should be suspended twenty plus games, but because he's a star and you know he's got his own podcast and his network, and he's a guy that moves the needle, he's not going to get punished for this. But two things early in the game. Uh, McDaniels of, of Minnesota gets in a pushing and shoving match with Clay Thompson that turns physical. They kind of got tangled up in one another. They both got annoyed at being tangled up with the other. We're pushing, we're shoving, we're punching. Rudy Gobert's in the middle of that mix for the Timberwolves. And Rudy Gobert's trying to break it up, right? He's not doing anything malicious. He's trying to break up the skirmish. Draymond Green comes flying in and gets Rudy Gobert in a an UFC-style chokehold, elbows and forearms under the chin, like was about to tap him out. I am so tired of this Draymond Green nonsense of, well, he's kicking people in the balls. He's knocking out his teammate in practice. He's, he's getting a flagrant foul. He's getting a technical foul. He's getting suspended. The dude is trash. The dude is trash. He, he oh, oh, man, I'm so misunderstood. 
The dude is garbage. Yesterday, you choked out a guy who was trying to be a peacemaker. You choked out a guy who was not instigating, but who was trying to dissolve the situation. This should be a 10, 15, 20 game suspension for Draymond Green. I get it. McDaniels and Clay Thompson were pushing and shoving, and they should be suspended too. But look, man, crap happens in the middle of a melee, right? You get tangled up with somebody, you start pushing. Both of those guys probably regret what happened. But to fly into the pile and just immediately get somebody into a chokehold, a guy who wasn't even involved in the skirmish, a guy who was trying to break up the skirmish, to get into the middle of that and wrap them up into a wrist lock, a rear chin lock or whatever WWE would call it, and to almost have Gobert tapping out is embarrassing. It's embarrassing for the league. Not surprising for Draymond Green. He's shown that this is what he is. He's undisciplined and he's unable to help himself, but it's an, it's an embarrassment for the league. Now, on the flip side to that, during that skirmish, we got a very clear indication, and Brandon Brown, if you're listening, I'm sorry, cover your ears. Even though your team is 8-2 and two and playing very well, we've got a very clear indication of why the Timberwolves are not going to win the championship with this core. During that one incident, we got a clear indication of why the Timberwolves are not going to win a championship with this core. Rudy Gobert is being choked out by Draymond Green. Carl Anthony Towns was right there. Did nothing. Other Timberwolf players were right there and did nothing. Bro, if this were the Philadelphia 76ers and somebody had Joel Embiid in a chokehold, Patrick Beverly's beating the hell out of whoever it is that's got him locked up. Or at the very least, going down trying. Patrick Beverly said on social media last night, Carl Anthony Towns had taught you better than that. The fact that they watched one of their brothers get tapped out and didn't retaliate. To hell with the suspension. To hell with the fine. You're a millionaire. You could afford the fine. You're 8-2. and two. You could afford to be suspended 3-4 games. It's bigger than that incident. You had one of your star players, one of your brothers, one of your locker room leaders in a vulnerable position. And all the Timberwolves did was watch it happen. And that, to me, is what separates them from the true elites. They don't have that full, universal, 1,000% buy-in yet that some of the other top teams have. And until they get that, they're not going to get where they're trying to get. Like, it's just simply, they're not going to get where they're trying to get. So Minnesota does get a win, 104-101 to over Golden State last night. The Lakers got a 134-107 to win over Memphis. Uh, let's talk about my Clippers for a second, right? Um, they're now 0-5 since the James Harden trade. They're 3-7 and overall. Harden played pretty well last night. 21 points. They lost by 3 to Denver. 21 points, 7 of 15 shooting, made some triples, had 4 assists. Um, give this thing some time, man. Like, I understand that the instinct right now is to, oh, <laughs> James Harden's 0-5 and, and he's ruining the Clippers like he's ruined every... They didn't have any practice time, any training camp time, any offseason time to work together. This right now for the Clippers is the preseason. And I saw a basketball team yesterday that went toe-to-toe with the defending NBA champions on their home floor and was just narrowly not good enough. 
when they mesh a little more, when they come together a little more, don't forget about this Clipper team. I got a feeling by the time this season ends, they're going to be right there. They're going to be right there. Ty Lue is a very good coach. He's going to get the most out of these guys, and they're going to be right where they need to be whenever it's time for them to be there. Now, yesterday we were announcing the scores for the LSU women's basketball game while we were on the air. I wasn't watching. I was just following GameCast. But some very interesting things came out of yesterday's game as LSU wins 109-79 to over Kent State. Um, Kateri Poole, a, a key piece to the LSU roster, did not play yesterday. Angel Reese, the returning All-American, did not play in the second half yesterday. And when Kim Mulkey was asked why uh, Poole was out, why Angel Reese didn't play the second half, she said, yeah, I could tell you why, but I'm not going to. It was a coach's decision. Coach Mulkey, you've started the first steps towards getting your back, your team back in national championship contention. It's an LSU team that gave up 37 points in the opening half against Kent State and was not very good. They were only winning by two at the half. It's an LSU team that ended up rallying in the, in the second half and won by 30 without Angel Reese on the floor, without Poole on the floor. The buy-in this season from Angel Reese has not been very good so far. 17 points, 10 rebounds. Hey, the offense ain't a concern. She's going to score. We know that. She's going to score. But the issue has been on the other side of the floor where LSU is not playing championship-level defense. And Mulkey made the statement loud and proud yesterday. We're going to play championship defense or we're going to find somebody who will. And the defense for LSU still wasn't all that great in the second half, right? You still gave up a bunch of points. You gave up 79 points total against Kent State. But I like the message being sent that no matter who you are, no matter how many magazine covers you're on, no matter how many NIL deals you got, if you're not doing things that are making this program better on the floor, you're not going to play. And now the challenge for Angel Reese is, who, who by the way, is, is an unbelievable player, right? Unbelievable player. But, but, but I think it's also fair to say that basketball was secondary to her offseason. I mean, she's on the ESPYs. She's on the cover of this. She's on that commercial. She's you know hanging out with this person, hanging out with that person. I follow her on Instagram. Every third day, she was on some Caribbean island, took a million vacations. I think it's fair to say that basketball was secondary to her offseason. I also think it's fair to say that if I were her, living the life that she has, the money that she has, I would probably be doing the same thing. But they're paying the rent now, right? There's been a little bit of a slow start to the season. And I, I really applaud Coach Mulkey for having the – um, courage, because it does take courage to sit down your best player and tell her, hey, well, it ain't working right now, Angel. Um, we got to do a little better. She only played 14 minutes. Do I think that's going to be something that's going to be sustainable long term? No. I think she'll be back out there. But hopefully when she's back out there, it's with a recharged battery and with the idea and understanding of if I don't play the LSU way, I ain't going to play. I ain't going to play. So it's up to Angel now to make that renewed commitment to try to get herself back ready to roll for an LSU team that is three and one and still has everything in front of them, right? Oh, I know so many people were freaked out. Oh my God, dropped all the way to number seven. Oh. This is a team that wasn't even a number one seed in the NCAA tournament last year and won the national championship. So where you are right now doesn't matter, right? The goal is just continuing to get better, continuing to gel, continuing to play as a team. 
And we saw it in the second half, and we saw it in the second half without the All-American on the floor, which is maybe a sign that you're either going to buy in or you're going to sit your ass down, right? It's, it's, it's as simple as that. Let's catch a break when we get back. Got some things that we'll talk about in the world of football, and then we'll wrap up the show with our mailbag. It's play-by-play right here on KLEB. Raceland Auto Center wants to express that during the holiday season, their thoughts turn gratefully to those who have made their success possible. It is in that spirit that they want to say thank you and send best wishes for the holidays and new year. Happy holidays from Raceland Auto Center. No Wake Outfitters is the best fly shop and paddle sports dealer in Metairie, but we offer so much more. We can prepare you for hunting season with Lamco game feeders and functional, comfortable camo wear from Duck Camp. And we outfit kayaks to get you in those shallow duck ponds and keep you camouflaged. Let our knowledgeable staff help you have your best season. Also offering Duck Camp and Orvis Outdoor Apparel for men and women. Check out the exclusive brands like Rugged Road, Turtle Box, New Canoe, Old Town, and more. No Wake Outfitters. 1926 Airline Drive. Metairie. 3T Oil Change is an efficient quick loop service that offers oil changes for gas and diesel engines, brake tags, tire sales and services, engine and cabin air filters, bulb replacement and wiper blades with the convenience of a drive through No appointment necessary. 3T Oil Change on Main Street and Cutoff. Call 798-7401. Proud supporter of South LaFouche Sports. 3T Oil Change says, Go Tarpons! Calvin Braxton Ford is your brand new car dealer in Lockport, Louisiana. They cannot wait for you to stop in and take a look at their big town inventory and small town prices. Schedule your test drive today and let one of their trained sales staff help you every step of the way. Their skilled management team ensures that you'll have a phenomenal experience, whether it be sales, service, parts, or financing. Ford, the number one brand in America. Stop by today at Calvin Braxton Ford, 5878 Highway 1 in Lockport. Hey, y'all, here are some fun fall events on tap this weekend. November 17th through 18th, Holiday Market at the Mill and New Roads. November 17th through 19th, Yeah You Write Music Festival in Morgan City. November 18th through December 31st, Logan's Port Christmas Festival. And stay tuned for announcements about other upcoming holiday events. So make your plans to laissez-les-bon-temps Visit explorelouisiana.com to plan your road trip. Our most important asset is our people. You know, we have a huge focus on continual training, and that's where the grant really, really kicks in. You know, each year the grant helps us train about 400 employees. Uh, our motto is we build better. A lot of people want advancement. Uh, they want to be a part of the company. If you want to go and obtain training and, and do better for yourself and your family, I mean, we'll provide you those resources. We feel that they appreciate it, and they stick around for that. They stick around for those opportunities. For more information, go to laworks.net. Sponsored by the Louisiana Workforce Commission. This is Councilwoman Jessica Domang. I decided to run for office just four years ago because I knew we needed change. I was tired of these same old entrenched politicians not delivering results. My district of East Homa and downtown has been the neglected and forgotten part of town for years with crumbling infrastructure. I have worked hard to clean up my community, and we have delivered unprecedented investments into my district since taking office, including economic development initiatives, millions in road and culvert repairs, and multiple major drainage projects, both completed and in the engineering phase. As your next state representative, I will bring the same work ethic to all of District 53. We are all in this fight together as the underserved communities of our parish. 
We must all come together so that every resident can be proud to call Terrebonne Parish home. Early voting begins Friday, November 3rd and ends Saturday, November 11th. Please vote Jessica Domang, number 58. Paid for by the Jessica Domang Campaign Fund. As dark as things are for the New Orleans Saints right now, and look, let's not get it twisted. This has not been a very fun team to watch. I don't care that they're in first place. I don't care that they're 5-5. Five and five. It has not been a very fun team to watch. You have faced a schedule that's so weak that you should be 7-3 and three or 8-2 and two at the least, much less 5-5 five and five and struggling to stay afloat. But as poor as that has been, um, today you got a reminder of just how big of a bullet you potentially dodged. Um, New Orleans was in the running for Deshaun Watson back a couple seasons ago when the Texans were shopping him around. And if I'm not mistaken, he even like visited New Orleans and was was you know pretty close to committing to New Orleans before the Browns came in in the dead of the night and offered him like a huge contract that he couldn't say no to. Um, Deshaun Watson is out for the season with a shoulder injury. He's going to be out for the rest of 2023. And Saints fans, if, if you want to try to find any small positive, any small piece of optimism, uh, be grateful that you didn't bring this dude in uh, at the contract that he got in Cleveland because that thing is looking worse and worse by the day. Watson was explosive in Houston. He had 26 touchdowns, 9 interceptions in 2018. 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions in 2019, and then in 2020, 33 touchdowns and 7 interceptions while throwing for 4,800 yards and completing 70% of his passes. But then we have the whole massage scandal and injuries and different things and then the trade to Cleveland, and um, he's just not been the same. Last year, he was not very good, 58% completion, 7 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, this year in six games, 61% completion, seven touchdowns, four interceptions. He's 23rd in QBR. And, I mean, that's a huge blessing that New Orleans didn't pull the trigger and make that investment because not that Derek Carr is the savior, right, but he is cheaper than Watson. He's as a, um, impactful as Watson, who it's just not working out right now, man. It's just absolutely positively not working out. Um, we got some news from the NFL uh, which is Robert Sala, the Jets football coach, says today that when Aaron Rodgers feels he's ready to go, um, he's going to be out there. Um, so speaking on the Pat McAfee show, Sala said, Aaron's a big boy, a grown man. No one's going to know Aaron's body like Aaron knows his body. And if he feels after all the doctors clear him, and I'm sure there's a million of them, I have no idea. But if Aaron says he wants to play, he's going to play. This would be the the probably the the most I'm trying to think of the right word because I don't want to overstate it but I don't want to understate it. this would probably be one of the more miraculous injury recovery situations that we've ever seen um the dude blew out his Achilles in week one on Monday Night Football in week one he blew out his Achilles we're here in week 11 and we're hearing whispers and rumors that like hey within the next two or three weeks he's gonna be back out there Achilles is usually a year-long, 52-week thing. It's usually a situation where even after the 52nd week, when you're back at it, you're super-duper rusty and you know, you're know you still not all the way trusting it. Your footwork maybe starts to suck a little bit because you're not trusting it, and it takes a little while to relearn some of your good habits. 
if Rodgers plays this year and is 11, 12 weeks post-surgery and plays well, that would be one of the bigger underdog surprise stories that we've ever seen in the NFL for a Jets team that still has some stuff to play for. They're four and five right now, and they absolutely still have some things to play for. Um, so, yeah, it, it would be an unbelievable accomplishment if he's able to come back. And he certainly, hell, I would take him in a wheelchair over Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson ain't moving the needle for you. So if Rodgers is able to come back, man, that would just be um, crazy, crazy. The new college football playoff rankings came out yesterday, and we have a new team at the top. The Georgia Bulldogs, fresh off of their victory against Ole Miss, moves up to number one. Ohio State moves up, or moves down rather, to number two. Michigan, three. Florida State, four. Washington, five. Oregon, six. Alabama, uh, excuse me, Texas, seven. Alabama, eight. Missouri, nine. Louisville, ten. LSU's down there at 15. They moved up four spots after a win over Florida. Um, I think the committee did the right thing and made the right move. Georgia is, is, is a better football team than Ohio State is. Alabama is a better football team than Ohio State is. Ole Miss is probably a better football team than Ohio State is. We've seen this movie so many damn times. It's getting frustrating to, to have to consistently hear these arguments from the committee. Oh, well... Ohio State's looked like the best team this year. If the SEC had played the conference and non-conference schedule of an Ohio State or a Michigan, there are a lot of teams who would be undefeated too. Michigan's 10-0. and Does anybody at home really think that LSU wouldn't also be 10-0 and if their schedule were East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State, Purdue, and Penn State? Of your 10 games this season, you have only played one opponent that actually has a pulse. And by the way, in that game, which was this past Saturday against Penn State, your supposed so-called Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback completed for 60 yards passing. That would be one drive of Jaden Daniels. He did it in a game against Penn State, 60 yards passing. Ohio State has played a little bit more of a challenging schedule, right? They're 10-0. Would an LSU fan be able to confidently say that LSU wouldn't be 10-0 playing a schedule of Indiana, Youngstown State, Western Kentucky, Notre Dame, Maryland, Purdue, Penn State, Wisconsin, Rutgers, and Michigan State? Come on, man. I think we all know the answer to that. These SEC teams are the best teams in the country. They always are. There's just not a bunch of them near the top because they beat up on one another throughout the course of the season, and they get their can dented a little bit throughout the course of the season. The Tigers are taking on Georgia State on Saturday. They're a 30-point favorite against the Georgia State team that comes in with a good record. They're 6-4, and four. but if you read between the lines, this should be no issue for LSU. Last week, they lost to Appalachian State 42-14. to The week before that, they lost to James Madison 42-14. to um, It is a Georgia State team that is 125th in the country in pass defense. So expect Jaden Daniels to have a huge, monstrous game throwing the football, a huge, monstrous game uh, padding his Heisman Trophy resume, which right now sits at he's got uh, 3,164 passing yards, 30 touchdowns, four interceptions, 918 rush yards with eight touchdowns. I expect him to go over 1,000 yards rushing on Saturday. I expect him to get four or five passing touchdowns, three, 400 yards passing. I think that the Tigers are going to do pretty much whatever they want to do 
on that side of the ball. Um, around the college football landscape, we've got some pretty good ones. Georgia taking on Tennessee, Utah and Arizona. We got a couple of good games, but it's not a, a real crowded schedule. We've got a lot of the big dogs that are facing not great competition. Missouri and Florida should be an entertaining game at 6.30. Washington and Oregon State should be an entertaining game at night on ABC. But it's not necessarily a loaded college football slate like we sometimes see uh, in the back ends of the year. So uh, another couple of things that we're looking at here. Uh, the Saints are obviously on their bye. Um, and Dennis Allen said that they're not making any staff changes. Um, they're not removing Pete Carmichael as the play caller. They're not doing anything rash. And their own stubbornness, I think, is going to continue to cost them. Now, the Saints did make a roster move yesterday. They signed Jason Pierre-Paul to the practice squad um, to try to get a little bit of extra pass rushing, right? The Saints really have not generated much of a rush this year. For as good as their defense has been, and look, their defense does stop the run pretty well. you got some good corners and some good safeties on the back end, but they've had a hard time uh, getting pressure. Jason Pierre-Paul will come in. He's a veteran. He's got a, a whole crap ton of sacks on his career. Don't know how much is left in the tank, but the Saints are going to try to find out bringing him in. They've got a big matchup coming up out of the bye against Atlanta. Um, that's two teams that are trying to be in competition to see who's the biggest mess, uh, mess of the bunch. Atlanta finds ways to lose every week. They've lost three games in a row by five to Tennessee, by three to Minnesota, by two to Arizona. They invent ways to lose games, right? Uh, and it's a Saints team that frankly isn't much better. And that's now going to be without Lattimore and Michael Thomas and Carr should be back, but it's that's going to be a really interesting game two Sundays from now. If New Orleans could um, win that one, you put yourself in a pretty good spot in terms of the division and everything like that, especially considering that you would expect Tampa would lose this Sunday uh, traveling to San Francisco. So it may be a chance to get a little bit of a cushion. We've got some big old uh, primetime games this week, man. Like our, our primetime schedule in the NFL this year has been very hit or miss. But tomorrow night we got the Bengals and the Ravens. That's that's big time stuff, right? That's that's Burrow, Lamar Jackson. Like that's a heavyweight fight. That's two teams that could potentially uh be going Super Bowl uh type teams. The Sunday night game about three weeks ago looked like a laugher, but now we've got six and four Minnesota traveling to take on four and five Denver. And the Denver thing I told you yesterday, Sean's got those guys playing well. Sean Payton has the Broncos playing well. They've won three in a row in two of their last three games. They beat the Chiefs and the Bills both. I mean, that's that's big-time stuff, right? They had some growing pains early in the year. Hell, yeah, they did. They gave up 70 points to the Dolphins, and everybody's laughing and poking fun, and we're seeing all the stats of, oh, Sean Payton can't win, can't win without Drew Brees, and, and on and on and on and on. Um, but they have gotten a lot better. They're night and day better. Don't be surprised if at home Denver wins another one and gets another win against a team that's above 500. Then Monday night, we get the big, maybe the biggest game of the year, maybe a Super Bowl preview. We've got the Eagles and the Chiefs. It was a Super Bowl uh, matchup last year. Had the Eagles and the Chiefs. That one's going to be at Arrowhead. Um, you got a Chiefs offense that for a 7-2 and two team, the Chiefs' offense has not been performing at the level that they're used to, right? In their last couple of games, they scored 21 against the Dolphins, 9 against the Broncos. They had another game where they scored 19 against the Broncos. They scored 20 against Detroit, 17 against the Jacks. Like they have, um, they have struggled to move the ball at times. 
And they're coming off of a little bit of time off. And you got Kelsey, who's in Argentina with Taylor Swift. And I, I don't know, man. You're facing an Eagles team that's probably going to be hungry to make up for the Super Bowl. That should be a very exciting game. I, I'm looking at the line right now. It looks like that we've got the Chiefs favored by three. That's going to be a, a very good ball game and a chance for my Cowboys to maybe get a little bit of help from Kansas City. Uh, Dallas taking on Carolina this week. Maybe a chance to pick up a game in the standings. Let's catch a break. When we get back, I'll get to the mailbag and we'll wrap up. It's play-by-play. We've got one more segment to go. We're right here on KLEB. From the entire team at Golden Motors, we would like to wish you an amazing holiday. Thank you for your continued support of our dealership. We look forward to serving you for more years to come. Happy holidays from Golden Motors. Everybody has a story, a dream. We don't always know where it'll take us, even against all odds. I was born small. They said I was weak, that I wouldn't make it. Said my heart wasn't strong enough. But through the years, I've shown them what heart looks like. Again and again. I've had help. Mom got me the right care and the right doctors from the start with Blue Cross coverage. When health issues surface, it's good to know you can rely on the strength of the cross and protection of the shield. Your card opens the door to a large network of quality providers to care for you. Now, I'm the one breaking hearts. Don't let people tell you who you are. Show them. With the right card, the right care, you can get back to your story and to making your dream a reality. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana. Water safety tips from Riley John's Blue Boot Foundation. One, always designate a water watcher when children are in and around water. Two, wear your life jacket when on a boat or near open water. Three, remove toys from swimming pools when not in use. Four, empty all blow-up pools and buckets of water when not in use as children can drown in as little as two inches of water. Five, check the water first if a child goes missing. Six, stay off and away from the rock jetties. And number seven, swimming lessons can reduce drownings by 88%. Learn to swim. Education. Prevention. Care. At Terrebonne General Community Sports Institute, we're committed to impacting future generations through promoting healthcare education and disease prevention. Our team specializes in athletic injury prevention and post care, using the latest techniques to help athletes perform at their best and stay in the game or get them back in action. Discover more about how Terrebonne General Community Sports Institute provides healthcare for our community at tghealthsystem.com. Get some of the best deals of the year at Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat and Homa. It's their Black Friday sales event. Not only can you get a great deal on a Ram, but you can see their impressive lineup of new commercial trucks, vans, cars, and SUVs. Southland Dodge has the perfect vehicle for your business or home life. Choosing the right one should be easy. Get a great deal on your dream car, SUV, or truck today at Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, 6161 West Park Avenue in Homa. Here for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I'm just remembering that I told you guys yesterday I would give you the Division Three and Division Four select and non-select brackets. I forgot to do that. My bad. I'm going to leave a post-it note. I will do that tomorrow, show you have my word. Uh, we'll give you a rundown of those matchups. Uh, but we go to the mailbag here in this segment, and we've got some questions that you guys want answers on. So I'll give them to you. Um, if you got a question for me, I'm at Casey underscore Jiskler on Twitter. 
Uh, Casey at gmail.com. We're at KLEB Radio on Twitter. Uh, we're at KLEB Radio on Facebook. I'm Casey Justclare on Facebook. Um, shoot me a message. If you got my phone number, shoot me a text. Find a way to get your question to us. The first question is, Casey, who do you pick to win the college football playoff? Um, man, LSU fans are not going to like me saying this, and I, but I've been saying it consistently here for a while on the show. Nick Saban's doing a great job coaching his team, man. They, they have gotten so much better from week three whenever they are barely beating South Florida. They have made so many strides and so much progression since then. I see a team that is playing very good defense like they have all year, but I see a team that's actually starting to score now and is starting to get better on offense now. Milrose coming off of a game where he rushed for three touchdowns, threw for three touchdowns. They're using his legs more than what they did earlier in the year. If Alabama could get in, I think they're going to be the team that's going to be the hardest for anybody to slow down. Um, Georgia, obviously, is a formidable foe. They stand in the way. I think Michigan can maybe, on their best day, maybe hang with some of those teams. Don't buy Ohio State a whole lot. Don't buy any of the teams from the West Coast. You know, Washington, oh, that's, that's, that's trash. Those teams are, couldn't beat the, the, the biggest of the big. Oregon, I've seen Bo Nix face SEC teams before. I know how that would go. Um, Florida State, eh, not all the way there. Their offense is a little inconsistent. So I, I would go Alabama right now, but the, obviously the big challenge is um, they've got to work and, and got some things to do to actually get there. Casey, what's the odds that Dennis Allen is back as the head football coach of the New Orleans Saints? I think it's better than what most people realize. Um, the Saints don't have very good ownership, y'all. I, I hate to be so blunt about it. Um, Tom Benson wasn't a very good owner, right? Tom Benson, like people, it's crazy to me how when you win a Super Bowl, it just erases the memory of everyone. Tom Benson during Hurricane Katrina tried in the midnight black, moved the team from New Orleans to San Antonio. He tried when the state was at their lowest moment to take a giant doo-doo and put a big turd on top of Louisiana's recovery efforts after Katrina. He was forced by the NFL to stay in the city, right? We look back on his memory way too fondly. He was not a good owner. Just at the later stages of his life, he got lucky, right? And got Drew Brees and Peyton, and they just kind of made it work. Not crazy about some of the stuff the Widow's doing with the organizations right now. I don't think that she's got a very strong support system around her. You got one guy, Loomis, who's kind of overseeing two teams and is kind of, as a result, screwing them both up. I don't know that they're going to want to spend the money to have two coaches being paid. So you get rid of Dennis Allen, you got to pay him still. He's going to have a buyout like everybody else. Then you're going to have to pay a whole other head coach. I just don't know that ownership is going to be willing to do that. And you say, well, Casey, why would you say that? Well, look at the past offseason for the Pelicans. They had every opportunity to get into the luxury tax and improve their roster. They didn't. Because they're not financially willing to go all in to do the things that it takes to get to the highest level. And that's the reason why they're in the middle of the pack and not towards the upper end of the pack. And that's the reason why they're going to be in the middle of the pack for a long time and not towards the upper end of the pack. So I think it's better than what most people realize. I think if he wins the South, which I think New Orleans will, 
I think he's going he's going to be back. I think he's going to be back. I don't think they're going to fire a guy who leads the team to the playoffs, no matter what the record is. They might win the division at seven and ten for all we know, eight and nine, and I still think he would be back. Casey, explain how you said earlier in the week South Lafouche may be in a 5A district despite being a 4A school. Okay, this is a good question, and if I didn't explain it well enough earlier in the week, um, let me expand upon it a little bit now. So the LHSA released their district proposals, um, and in those district proposals, South Lafouche is obviously still a 4A school playing a 4A district that's going to be filled with you know, Lutcher and E.D. White and South Terrebonne and Assumption and Morgan City and all the schools that we're used to playing. And as of right now, that's where the Tarpons would be in the future. But there are a lot of rumors and whispers coming out of Baton Rouge that say that the executive committee is going to ponder making it a rule that you have to play in a district based on the division that you are in. So what could potentially happen is Instead of South Lafouche playing in a 4A district and then playing up in the playoffs in Division One, they might just be axed to play in a Division One district, which would be Central Lafouche, HL Bourgeois, Terrebonne, Thibodeau, Hanville, Destrehan, East St. John. They would maybe be axed to play in the 5A district. I think that's ridiculous. <laughs> I, but then again, I think the whole setup right now is ridiculous. I think it is borderline criminal, the fact that you have a 1,600 student gap between one school in a division and another school in a division. As in, I've used the classic example so many times here, it's going to sound like a broken record. The gap between Dutchtown and South Lafouche is 1,600 students. The gap between South Lafouche and Grand Isle is about 950 students. We wouldn't put Grand Isle in South Lafouche's district. We wouldn't put Grand Isle in South Lafouche's playoff bracket. So why in the hell is South Lafouche in a playoff bracket with Dutchtown or Zachary? or whomever, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. It's not apples to apples. It's apples to pomegranates. And until the LHSAA learns more about their fruits and compares the apples to the apples, the oranges to the oranges, and the bananas to the bananas, we're going to have these issues. Casey, who would you rather have quarterbacking your NFL franchise going forward, Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson? I know you're not a fan of either. LOL, which one do you like better? Um... I've said this many times. Like I do give Lamar Jackson all sorts of grief here, right? And I don't think that he's a championship quarterback, but I do think he's a good quarterback. My issue with Lamar is that I just don't know that playing the way that he plays, can he ever withstand a 17-game schedule, right? We're seeing it a little bit with Jalen Hurts right now. He runs a lot. He's got some knee issues, right? He's limping around the field on Sundays. I don't know that you could stay healthy playing the way that he plays. But I would rather have him than Deshaun Watson. He, he's a better, more productive player than Deshaun Watson, who is every bit as injury-prone as Lamar Jackson is. And he's a weirdo. Like, this whole massaging thing in Houston, that, that, that that's slime, dude. That's slime. Like, 50-plus women are massaging them and giving them, you know, a little, uh, a little tug in some different areas of the body while giving them a massage and violating people's rights. And I, I don't know... 50 massage therapists right now. Like I, I could, I could only name you two or three that I even know much less. This dude is, he did this with 50 plus people. Like he's, he's weird. And I'll go so far as to say that I think he's a sex addict. And I think that part of the reason why he's struggling right now on the field when he does play is because he's imbalanced and he's not getting his fix anymore. 
You laugh. You, I, I hear you laughing at your office. Well, what's Casey talking about? When Tiger Woods stopped being a betai off the course, he wasn't as good on it anymore because he wasn't balanced anymore. Like when you get addicted to something, you need it to function. Watson, I think, is addicted to this perverse crap that he's into. And now that he's not doing it anymore, he's not the same dude on the field because he's imbalanced. Mentally, he's not the same person. He would have needed to go to some sort of rehab or therapy or whatever it may be, and he never did because instead of accepting responsibility for his actions, he always played the victim card and said, oh, I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, you did. You're, you're an animal. Next question, Casey, how excited are you when you read that Shohei Otani is intrigued by playing for the Atlanta Braves? I mean, obviously, I would be lying if I said I wasn't happy about it, right? But I also know that Atlanta's too cheap to, to spend the money to get him. Um, the Braves have been consistent about doing a couple of things. One of them is being cheap. And yeah, they got a big old payroll, but that's just based on extending guys that are already there. They don't spend money on long-term deals to get someone outside of the family to come in. I think Otani should be the exception to that. I would be willing to break the bank to get him because I really truly believe that what you spend, let's say it's $40, $50 million a year. Let's say it's it's a 10-year contract worth $450 million, whatever. You're going to get a lot of that back in international revenue, right? Because you're going to then become a global team. Everybody in Asia is going to be a Braves fan. Everybody in Asia is going to become a Dodgers fan or a Mets fan or wherever he goes, Cubs fan, whatever. Um, I think it's one of those investments that pays itself off. It's very intimidating on the surface to commit to that big of a deal, but I think it's one that's worth it, and I would love to see Atlanta get involved, but I also understand full and well that they're not going to. Casey, where do you think Jaden Daniels will get drafted in the NFL draft? I would assume that the, the 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 listener is asking what round and not what city. Because I mean, I don't, I have no idea the city, right? I mean, we have no clue what the draft order is going to be. But I do think he's catapulted himself this year from a third, fourth round guy to a first round guy. I really do. What's the difference between he and Caleb Williams right now? Daniels is making all the throws. He's actually facing quality defenses, which is something Caleb Williams has never faced. Um. He could run. He could command an offense. He's really good at the line of scrimmage, makes a lot of checks at the line of scrimmage that helps LSU out. I think he's catapulted from a middle-tier guy to a top-tier guy. I still think Williams and May are going to go before him. Um, maybe Shador Sanders goes before him if he goes pro, but words reports are that he's going to stay. I think Daniels is going to be somewhere in the top 15 overall picks. Why wouldn't he be? You got 30 touchdowns and four interceptions in the SEC, rushing for 1,000 yards in the SEC. This is not in the Tiddlywinks League, folks. This is not facing Montana. This is not um, facing, you know, a, a big juggernaut program like Boston College, like Clemson has to do. This is not facing Dave Arandon Baylor, who gives up 50 points every week. You're doing this in the best conference in the country, and I think that that has to count for something. Casey, will Nichols have a first-round playoff home game? Don't know. Um, that is based on a bidding process. Um, I would think the Colonels would be competitive. They've had opening round home playoff games before, but it's not a bracket that's seeded uh, per se in the early rounds. They, they have some top seeds. They get buys and everything like that. Let's not get it twisted. But for all the other teams that are not seeded, it just becomes a bidding process. I would think the Colonels would be competitive, but haven't heard anything either way. Last question. I know we're up against it. It's 1 o'clock. Casey, who will Texas A&M get to be their next head football coach? 
I haven't heard a whole lot. I don't think they're going to get the guy from Florida State. I don't think they're going to get the guy from Oregon. Dion said he's not interested. Dabo said he's not interested. Hopefully they hire exactly what they hired before when they got Jimbo. Hopefully they hire a jackass, pay him a whole lot, and the program makes no strides because it's great for LSU when Texas A&M sucks. It's great for college sports when Texas A&M sucks because that place is a weirdo cult and we will never be rooting for Texas A&M. Even when they're facing the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world, we will not be rooting for Texas A&M. So hopefully they hire the biggest bozo that you could find outside of the previous bozo that they hired and now fired and are paying 70 plus million dollars to. That wrap up wraps up today's show. Hope everybody enjoyed. Uh, we're going to get our phone line situated, and I'm going to try to get BJ Young on. I'm going to try to get Turtle on. Um, so we're going to try to play catch up here a little later in the week. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful rest of the day. I'm looking out the window. It looks like it's not raining, but it's still kind of a dreary day. Be safe on those roads, y'all. God bless. Love you guys. We'll be back tomorrow. You're listening to KLEB, 1600 AM and K274 DE, 102.7 FM, Golden Meadow.